Welcome. It's Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights uh, podcast, interviewing Joe Maddalena, who has come very close to the orbit of Sports Card Insights in the last uh, month as he's joined Heritage Auctions, our sponsor. And uh, I think it's exciting for Joe and it's exciting for Heritage. So thanks other sponsors besides Heritage, which may get a little extra feature in this episode, but also Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Tops Panini and Upper Deck, ComC.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Joe Madalena, welcome to the show. Tell us about your hobby background, not necessarily just sports cards. So give us a little background and welcome to the show. Thank you. My background is pretty, maybe it's unique. My parents were antique dealers and I grew up on the East Coast. And as a kid, six, seven, eight years old, every weekend it was an antique show and it's pretty boring. So I would start to venture out, and of course, you suddenly find baseball cards and comic books and postcards, and you suddenly get drawn into this world of what I'm going to call back then was ephemera. I started collecting everything. I just got obsessed with this stuff. There's, a, I have an article when I was 12 years old, the Providence Journal wrote about, I had a million cards when I was 12 years old. I literally accumulated that many baseball cards, and they were so cheap. I just kept buying collection after collection and got obsessed with everything that was in this world when things were pennies. I remember one time I went and bought, I think it was 25, 54 Henry Aaron rookie cards. And I think I might've paid on average $8 a piece. It's just so that's the world I grew up in. I moved to California, went to college and realized that I wanted to pursue some form of this as a career and started my company, Profiles in History. I dealt in rare books and manuscripts, but always the collectibles were in the background. I don't know I should probably have stayed with baseball cards, <laughs> but I didn't. And uh, segued into everything else. And you just built a company of international repute and great auctions and stuff. And here I am today. You did very- very well. I'm struck by how similar your background is to Josh Evans. Known Josh since I was a little kid. I grew up with... Didn't he have almost exactly the same East Coast parents that were working the uh, the circuit like that? Sounds very similar. just but I think all of us, I was like, I remember Rob Lifson, he sent me an email the other day and we were kids. We were 13, 14 years old. We were talking on the phone at nighttime about cards. We were literally, I was at Cooperstown every summer for the induction ceremonies, bringing my bats and gloves and balls and to get autographed. And I was on the ground floor of this before this was even a remotely cool thing to collect. <laughs> How early did you meet Mark Jordan? Oh God. Another it, guy that started extremely early He's probably reasonably your contemporary? The first person I really met, my earliest relationship is Rob Lifson, for sure. I've known him longer than anybody. Then when I went to California, I met Mike Gutierrez. And from Mike Gutierrez, I met Doug Averett and Mark Jordan. So I've known those guys, again, I would say 35, 40 years. We grew up together. We were kids. I knew Rob Beck in the day as well. I'm a little bit older, but what's his secret? Because I think he he just really had a, a passion. He had a lot of knowledge, but he had an aggressive pursuit of things. He's got his own auction company, which now I don't know if he's he's fully divested, but but, uh, what do you think his secret was? Because he always came up with fabulous stuff. I think because we were both kids and we were both kids in the seventies that we saw everything. I remember, I remember buying 25,000, 55 and 56 tops cards that were, I'm talking the mintest of the mint. Literally they were curled and you had to unstick them because they were so perfect and paying pennies for them. And we saw it, I think because of that background in terms of what we were able to access. I remember when Alan Rosen bought the 52 tops high numbers, I was there. I remember Alan breaking those up. It was just like, so I think because we were on the ground floor of this and we had the access to see everything that existed, it gave us a different bird's eye view of today's dealer who's looking at a single graded card that's a 10. We had a different perspective. You know? 
Okay, so what you're saying is that uh, for these contemporaries we're talking about, you're notably as well, the cards were almost too easy, 50s cards being modern in the 70s. Sure. So you, so Robert Lifson moved toward 19th century and some really obscure stuff. Josh Evans always, you know, had a real eye for memorabilia. Tell us why you moved into Profiles in History. Was that a, a gradual thing? Were you leaving sports behind or were you just choosing to focus on an area that you thought was more fertile? My thing was never, I don't even think that thought out. It was never financial. I just remember getting out of college and being in California. I, I got a job at NBC and I was making 1500 bucks a month. And I'm like, I can't survive because I wanted to be a television production broadcaster. I wanted to like be the Super Bowl. I had high aspirations. I got some of them, but not all of them. But I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be Vin Scully. And then I realized that, oh, I can't do this on 1500 bucks a month. So I started to go into Hollywood at the time. There were bookstores and I would buy letters of Hemingway, Fitzgerald and Steinbeck. And I, it was a 20 or 30% spread between the East Coast and the West Coast. So I was able to sell things. Remember, this was pre-internet pre-fax machine. I remember when I got a thermal fax, I thought it was the greatest day of my life. I have a fax machine. I, remember I could sell stuff faster. It was literally that moment of, okay, rare books, manuscripts. They There were more of them and they were much more collected where baseball cards really was regional at the time still. It was really New York, New Jersey, New England. It was still a regional hobby where what I was selling was more of an international hobby. So I just came different, at different times. Were you, did you come a lot, uh, across uh, Goody Goldfaden at Adco? Uh, uh, yeah, in, sure. In the sure. LA area, because sure. he would, I, I think he wasn't a great marketer, but he was a great accumulator. There were a lot of those guys. I remember Mike Gutierrez, his partner, Doug Averett. I don't know whatever happened to him, but Doug had an amazing collection. I had this 60, I think it was a 11 by 14, a 16 by 20, Chrissy Matthewson signed photograph inscribed to his alma mater. And I remember selling it to Doug for $10,000 back a million years ago. What's that worth now? It's, but everything was available. People used to come to my house in the 80s in California, and I had a room of Babe Ruth. I must have had 50 signed photographs, some of them 16 by 20. I mean, that was my thing. I collected Babe Ruth signed photographs. I had so many of them. They were cheap, you know, and, and, and nobody wanted them. No, it's not that they didn't want them, but they weren't perceived as cheap by the common person in those days. They were perceived as expensive because they were hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, but not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. For so sure. it's it's just the perspective over time. I'm just struck that. So has the same boom in uh, the uh, non-sport area. I know you're familiar with uh, Pokemon and some of the other collectible card game stuff. That's more recent, but... Has the boom in uh, sports card memorabilia and cards that we've seen and the fractionalization, has that hit the uh, the history, the entertainment, the, the other uh, non-sport world? I think it's slowly starting to. I think anything that's subject to grading is probably going to benefit most from all of these things, like the fractional stuff where it's objective, not subjective. So once something is a Beckett 10 black label, it's a Beckett 10 black, black, black label or a PSA 10 is what it is. I think that's changed. Our things are probably a little bit more difficult to grade because they're not. it's not necessarily conditioned. It's more about content. Yeah, definitely collectibles in all categories are just on fire. There's just a big interest. Heritage, I presume they're trying to be a one-stop shop if somebody has uh, some valuable things that they collect or have accumulated, your, the addition of your expertise allows them to be more aggressive in some of these other areas. But so are you mainly going to be your own profit center or are you there in a collegial way to add to the breadth of some of these other profit centers? I don't know that you're going to get involved in women's purses or right. but if a prospective consignment client comes up, I would imagine you'd be a, a valuable person to add to the mix. Yeah, so I'm probably the, the, the most diverse generalist they have here. 
because I cross into like probably 20 categories. So of course, I, the first thing we're going to do is get the entertainment field up and running here. I have my team in LA who's coming over and that field will obviously, Heritage will benefit greatly of having that division now that they were not strong and now they could be the strongest. But yeah, that's my whole reason for coming here is the opportunity to work in these other categories. I can bring my knowledge to just so many different fields. Before you had a conversation with a guy who was a book collector and we were reminiscing about the great book collectors of the 60s and 70s who we both grew up with. And he said to me, I haven't talked to anybody like you in 10 years, 20 years, because there are very few of us left who... I was lucky that I started in the 70s. By starting in the 70s, most of the great collectors, even if they were older or alive, Live. So I was able to meet the guys who were the pioneers of a lot of these fields. So I'm one of the last crossovers of the old days, and I'm functioning in modern graded cards, which didn't exist back then. So it's a unique situation for me. And that's my goal for Heritage is to help them in any way I can. I'm here to you know, obviously bring in material for the company, but overseeing these departments and making sure that they're running efficiently and bringing in things that I might do differently and helping them grow. But that's what it's all about. One thing I've, I've noticed, because I've studied this because of my own uh, corporate experience, but our corporate culture changed when we built uh, a new headquarters building. And it allowed us to do some things we weren't able to do in our smaller, more cramped uh, quarters where we're leasing. So my guess is Heritage, same situation. Their new headquarters with uh, a lot more space, you must be salivating about that because <laughs> if you were going to be crammed in, shoehorned into their old situation on many floors, it would seem like it's really created a situation in the new big expanded offices to where you're going to get a lot of aerobic points as well as opportunity to really spread out. Yeah, coming here is like going to Sotheby's on, you know, 72nd New York. They're going to a massive facility, hundreds of thousands of square feet. It's like a public company. It's huge. But I think that because of the synergy of all of these different departments, it's all going to create the ability. It's a collector experience. Whether you're a consigner or a buyer at Heritage, that's the most important part is we do want you to have the greatest experience possible. And to be able to, if you need guidance, you can talk to somebody like me, talk to the teams. That's what we're here to do is to keep make sure that never goes away because we are now this big company. My goal is to ensure that there's still a personal connection where if you need a resource, I'm here. I don't ever want that to change. And we don't want to become to a point where you're talking to nobody, just a phone bank, or if you need that personal connection. And that's the great part. That's the thing that attracts me the most was the hands-onness of the executive team. Okay, tricky question for you. When they're bringing you in, you bring in the expertise, but you also bring in relationships. This is one or the other. Which do you think they're more excited about? Heritage, Steve and Jim and Chris and the other guys there of bringing you in. Is it because of your buyer contacts or your seller contacts? In other words, you have a lot of relationships with people who are potential consigners and a strong reputation there, but you may even also be bringing in a, another set of buyers that may be outside of Heritage's orbit. So I'm just wondering, which of those do you think they're more excited about? It's probably the potential to bring in some great stuff. I don't know. I think it's a combination of both. I think they're both equally important. I think it's just more of the, I think that not knowing 100% what was in their thought process, but I think that, again, because I have such a unique background, where I'm in a generalist, where they're just not bringing in somebody, okay, you're the new guy, that's all you're going to do is entertainment, where I can go work in natural history, just as well as I can work in historical documents or rare books or any of these fields. So whether it's buyer or seller, the way it is, like, I could talk to anybody, whether it's a, a new consigner or a new buyer about being comfortable about what they're doing, about growing their collection. I built institutional collections for Ross Perot and Malcolm Forbes and Armin Hammer and Stanley Marcus. It's a deep list of 
what I've done in 35 years. So I think it's all of those things. And you don't have to train me. <laughs> you can just plug me in. I think that's the biggest benefit where I'm ready to go into any of this. It seems like we're saying, again, I try to do sports card insights. The sports card insight here is that as sports cards keep heating up and it makes some of these other things look like a bargain. You know, oh, you're paying a million dollars for a card of somebody, then how much more should you be paying for a, an actual artifact or a relic? It's uh, incredible. Not on a card. So I think a lot of the activity in our industry, some people are coming in and, and buying at peak prices. With Maybe they'll go higher, but with Heritage bringing you in, that sounds very smart to me for both of you all. So I, I think it's a win-win. Thank you. Because I think there's room for growth and, and cross-fertilization. So. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. And just like, again, bringing that collector experience that the seven partners have brought to the company is what I'll continue to bring the company. And having fun doing it, because I yeah. think it's the- it, All that matters. If I can include what you're doing in what I consider the greatest hobby in the world, and, uh, <laughs> and Heritage does a great job, and I know they're thrilled to have you uh, on board, Joe. So, Joe Madalena, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, sponsors. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The Madalena.